As we come to God's word this morning, I invite you to turn into the Gospel of Matthew, first book of the New Testament, to uh, chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. If you're following along in your pew Bibles, you'll find that on page 974 in your pew Bibles. In the context of this passage, John the Baptist has completed his ministry and has been beheaded in the first part. We read about that of chapter 14. And then Jesus, uh, with his ministry, then he goes to a place and he also then feeds the crowds that are gathered around him. We read in the final verse just before our picking up our reading, verse 22, that those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. And then picking up the reading at verse 22, Jesus walking on the water is the account that we are going to be looking at this morning. Immediately he, that is Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked in the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, Why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And may God add a blessing to the reading of his holy word. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, storms are... A part of our life. Well, we know all about winter storms and even in the summertime, the thunderstorms that can come upon us. But storms aren't just something that come to us in a physical way. We go through emotional storms and spiritual storms in life as well, don't we? Today we're going to be focusing both of our messages on the subject of storms and, and the teachings of Jesus Christ as here we have it with Jesus Christ ministering in the midst of a storm, walking on the water, ministering to his disciples. This afternoon we'll be looking at how we as disciples of Jesus Christ need to build our house of faith as we compare the wise men and the foolish men in the parable Uh, that Jesus speaks about that and the impact on our lives. Uh, 
on the storms that come to us. So today will be a time of reflecting on these storms that we go through in our lives. When we read through the Gospels, all, each one of the Gospels, while well, Mark and John, Luke doesn't mention this particular parable, but in Mark chapter 6, verses 45 to 51, and in John chapter 6, verses 15 to 21, there is a reference also to this activity, this event of, the, of Jesus Christ walking on the water to the, to the disciples in the midst of the storm. Mark and John make no mention of the verses in Matthew that refer to specifically to Peter and his response to the situation as he's in the boat. But what we see here is that Jesus Christ is teaching his disciples a lesson of faith. And throughout the message, especially in this morning, we're going to see what I might call nuggets of faith lessons as we walk through verse by verse some of the various aspects of this event in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ and in the life of the disciples. Jesus has just completed amazing the crowds around as he has fed the 5,000. And we often think about 5,000 as being a lot of people that Jesus fed with those few loaves and those few fish that he had available. But what we read in verse 21 is that it wasn't just those 5,000 men. It was 5,000 men besides women and children. Think about that. If each one of the men had one wife, which they would, no more than that, right? But if even they had one child, there would be at least 15,000 that were gathered to be fed. It was a reminder of Jesus Christ to his disciples and the crowds around him that, that Jesus provides for us. And on that theme of provision, then, we see this next passage coming to us. We're going to be looking together at the source of faith and then the challenge that faith that we have in our own faith life, the challenges we go through, how our faith is restored. Point number four, how we are to respond to this faith and God's work in our lives of faith in, in the different things that we do. We read in verse 22, first of all, about the source of this faith, and we find that in verses 22 and 23. We read, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. He dismisses first the disciples. Kind of interesting, isn't it? John, in his account of this event, chapter 6, verse 15, that says that the reason why he dismissed the crowds and the disciples and everyone is because they wanted to make him king. I mean, who, who wouldn't want to have a king who provides in this way by providing in a miraculous way all of the crowds, the food that they need and with plenty left over, more than what they began with in this miracle. John 6 verse 15 says, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain 
by himself. Jesus' time had not yet come to be declared the king. He was not yet ready. He was in the midst of his ministry, the beginning of his ministry, as he was doing this before their people. And their intentions were not right. They had false motives. They were looking out for themselves. They thought, well, it would be great if this man, Jesus, would be our king, but only for their own personal gain, for their own personal perfections. So the people are sent away with a blessing, having been blessed with the food that God provided for them. They were comforted and they were sent away with a caution as well and counsel, as we read from John, of course, then that they were, that Jesus' time had not yet come. But Jesus first sends the disciples away because the crowds would not leave unless the disciples first would leave. And so Jesus sends his disciples into the boat over the lake in order to go to the other side of the lake. The disciples' condition at this time was tentative at best, probably, yet they were, because they too were surprised that Jesus Christ had just fed the crowds and they couldn't quite understand all that was going on. And we might ask ourselves now, why would Jesus send his disciples over the sea, over the lake, if he knew that the storm was going to be coming? And it was a common thing in those times for storms to come up. They would come up quick and hard over the Sea of Galilee. Squalls were common. And the fishermen especially were sensitive to this and no doubt often were caught up in some of these these squalls that would happen. So in verse 23, we read that after he had dismissed them, he went up to the hills, up to the mountains to pray. And when evening came, Jesus was there by himself in the mountains praying. Now think about that. If Jesus, being God, here's a nugget of a faith lesson again. If Jesus, being God, saw the need to take time to spend alone with his Father, how much more you and I, who are followers of Jesus Christ, need to follow that example We are not God. We need even more to be looking for fellowship with our God than Jesus Christ did, who was God himself and yet needed to commune with his Father. What an amazing lesson that is for us in our lives. How much time do you spend in prayer in your life? Are you so busy with the daily activities of life that you rush out of bed in the morning because then you just slept through that snooze. Grab a quick breakfast as you go out your way off to work or hustling off and getting the kids ready for school. Heading off into school yourself and, Mom, I don't have time for that bowl of cereal that you prepared for me. Thank you very much. I got to get going. The bus is coming. We need to be reminded about times in prayer, let alone spending an entire night in prayer as Jesus does in this particular situation. As we go through life, our faith will be challenged. And if our, when our faith, not if, but when our faith is challenged, we will need to have 
the source of that strength, the source of that faith, which is Jesus Christ himself, to go along with us. In verses 24 to 26, we read about the challenges that are a part of that. We read in verse 24, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land. Looking at the account in John, we read that the boat was about five or six, the equivalent of five or six kilometers out into the water. There's no way they could turn back when the storm hit them. There they were, out in the middle of the water, with a storm gathered around them. Now, this is not the first time that the disciples encounter a storm in the presence of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 8, if you turn back into the verses that we have here, the chapters of Matthew, verses 23 to 27, we have another instance of Jesus and his disciples in the midst of the storm. This time, Jesus is with them in the boat, sleeping on the job, as it were. And the disciples are just, Jesus, in the midst of the storm, what are you doing? Why are, why are you, don't you see that there's a storm around us and Jesus has no care, no concern over that. He's not concerned at all. But the point is that at this point, Jesus is with them. Now, the disciples are out in the water and should have learned that lesson from Jesus when he was with them in the storm to apply that to them in the situation when Jesus now was not with them. A nugget of a faith lesson for us is to be reminded that God often pushes us further and further out to test, to challenge our faith, to help our faith to grow further and further, step by step by step, as the disciples now experience this first time with Jesus, now without Jesus Christ. The challenges and difficulties in life don't always get easier for us, do they? But as these challenges become more and more for us, more intense in our lives, the experiences of the previous experiences of challenge and our faith life, our faith growth in Jesus Christ ought to help us as we go through that next phase of challenges in our lives. You should note as well that when the storm came upon them, the disciples did not immediately decide that they're going to turn around and go back. They had a ways to go across. They could have quickly turned around and go back, but they followed the command of Jesus to go to the other side. To go to the other side, they didn't turn around. They obediently continued to forge ahead. When we are faced with the challenges in our lives, that's not a time for us to get wimpy on Jesus Christ. It is a time for us rather to dig in our heels and take courage in the fact that we don't go through these challenges alone. Jesus Christ is keeping an eye on us. God's Holy Spirit works in our lives. God himself is a sovereign God. And we need to press on in our duties in spite of the challenges that we are faced with. And when we are faced with these challenges, we have the promise that 
that God reaches out to us. He knows what we're going through. We read that during the fourth watch of the night, verse 25, Jesus went out to them and he was walking on the water, walking on the sea. Fourth watch of the night. What does that even mean? Well, the watches of the night began at 6 o'clock in the evening. So from 6 to 9 would be the first watch, and 9 to 12 midnight would be the second watch, 12 to 3 in the morning with the third watch. So this would have been happening at 3 o'clock, between 3 and 6 in the morning, the fourth watch of the night. So we're talking all night that the disciples have been out there. But notice that it is Jesus Christ who comes out to them, reaches out. He knows the storm that they're going through. He's familiar with what his disciples are going through. He himself had gone through many storms throughout his ministry. He knows the storms because he is human and has gone through storms as well, attacks and suffering in his own life. But this demonstrates the concern of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the one whom we are following, whose example we are looking to, cares for us, reaches out, and guides us along in the midst. Not only does this show his concern, but it shows his power. Of course, we know that he eventually calms the, the sea, as we'll see in just a moment. But that calming of the sea and, and, and in the very fact that Jesus walks out in the midst of that and is walking on the sea, walking on the water, demonstrates the power of the one who is watching over us, over every circumstance of our life. He has power over creation, over events, over circumstances, over the enemy, over everything in life. Jesus Christ is demonstrating his power. He knows everything. He is present everywhere. He is all powerful. We learn that in our catechism lessons, don't we? The three omnis, omniscience and, and omnipresence and omnipotence. Those great big words that basically mean that he knows everything and he's everywhere present and he's powerful, more powerful than anything in all of our lives. He is the one who is the sovereign God who watches out for us. What do we mean even when we say that he's the sovereign God? I likely have shared with you my definition, a really simple one because I have a simple mind, a simple definition of what that power or what that sovereignty is. And it simply is this, that God does whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, with whomever he wants, for whatever reason he has, and he doesn't have to ask permission of anyone. Simple definition. You won't find that in deep theological books. But for the simple mind like mine, this is a really helpful definition that I use to be reminded of the power and the sovereignty of our God. And then we read in verse 26 that when the disciples saw him walking on the sea that they were terrified. It's a ghost. They didn't recognize this at first as being Jesus and they cried out in fear. Isn't that our initial human nature response to circumstances? Fear as a part of that in our lives. But here is the thing that we need to be reminded of. 
The more that we deal with the challenges of life and see ourselves coming through that because Jesus Christ is by ourselves, the more easily we deal with that natural instinct of fear in our lives. Fear is a natural reaction, surely. We are human after all. But that fear is more and more quickly set aside and allayed put aside as we go through more and more of these experiences in the life of the Christian. And that brings us then to a faith restored, a faith shaken with fear in our lives. But in verse 27, verses 27 to 33, we have, well, to verse 32 especially, we have that faith being restored. First of all, in verse 27, when Jesus says to them, In verse 27, take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. Will you notice another faith lesson here? Jesus doesn't shout out to them, it's me, Jesus. No, he just simply says, it is I. What's the lesson here? The disciples were called upon to recognize that voice. They had spent and were spending time in ministry with him, standing by his side and so on, spending so much time with him that they ought to have recognized his voice. And Jesus knew that. So he just simply says, it's me. I'm here. It's very much, it's very much like a, A mother who in the middle of the night hears her child crying in the next bedroom over and simply comes to the door and says, it's me. And the child recognizes that voice and is soothed because the child hears mama's voice. Do you recognize the voice of Jesus Christ in your life? Are you walking Intimately with Jesus Christ so much, so intensely that you hear his voice. Oh, we're not talking about an audible voice. We're talking about the reading of the scriptures and we're talking about that time in prayer that we have that we sense that God is saying something to us, especially at the times when we need it the most. And the more we go through that experience, the more we are sensitive to that leading in our lives of Jesus Christ and are listening for him to speak to us, the more quickly we will recognize that voice. It's the voice that Jesus Christ himself talks about when he speaks of himself as being the good shepherd in John chapter 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Do you know him? He knows you. They too, Jesus says, will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. They will listen to my voice. A reminder to us in the midst of challenging circumstances of our lives to listen for the voice of Jesus Christ that comes to us through the scriptures. It comes to us through hearing the 
words of encouragement of a fellow brother and sister in Christ, the pastor, the elder, a member of the church who calls you up or who talks with you in the store as they see you and just gives you a word of encouragement. That is the message of encouragement from Jesus Christ just at the time when you need it the most, when everything seems to be falling apart all around you. Take heart, he says. Be encouraged. Take courage. And then Peter responds, doesn't he? In verses 28 and 29. We read in verses 28 and 29 that Peter, these verses, by the way, are found only here in Matthew. They are not included in the account of this event in Mark or in John. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked in the water and came to Jesus. In Peter's response, take note of the courage, of the love and affection, of the respect that Peter has for his master. He knows that his master has control of this difficult circumstance that they're going through on the waters. I've got this, says Jesus. And Peter knows that he's got this. I, I don't got this. You got it? When you're going through a difficult time in your life, can you say, I've got this? Don't worry about it. I don't need anything. I, I got this. I can get through I can just bully my way through this thing. I can do it. It's wonderful to have a sense of self-confidence, but it's meaningless without that self-confidence being fed by faith in Jesus Christ. You don't got it. He's got it. And so Jesus says, come. Will you notice another faith lesson? Peter doesn't go out into the water. Peter doesn't step out until he receives the invitation from Jesus Christ. Jesus takes the initiative when it comes to the struggles and the challenges that we go through in life. And will you also notice that Peter doesn't say, Jesus, that's cool what you're doing. Let me walk out in the water like you. I want to try that. Can I try that? No, he says, Jesus, let me come to you. Invite me to come to you. I won't be able to do it unless it is with your blessing. It's the difference between fear that they may have been feeling it is a ghost to faith. We see that movement happening at this moment. And it is in faith that Peter makes his move. And it is in faith that Jesus accepts our own expressions of trust in him. It may be frail. It may be weak. It may be just the beginning. It may seem insignificant to us, but that step of faith is one that God calls us to make with the support of those that we have around us, helping us in those situations of life. And it is especially when we are in a storm 
that we need to take these steps of faith in the only one who can take control of these things in our lives. It's a faltering faith, isn't it? It's a kind of a weak faith. And we see that especially in verse 30 now, don't we? But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me, verse 30. What happened here? Jesus, let me come to you. He's got his eyes on Jesus. And Jesus says, come. Peter, still with his eyes on Jesus, steps out on the water, and he's walking on the water. Amazing. Until he shifts his eyes from Jesus, and and he hears all the storms, and he hears that water, and he takes his eyes off Jesus, and he looks at the water, and looks at the waves, and looks at, and hears that wind, and all of a sudden, ooh, that fear comes back. Why? Because he focuses his attention only on the problems without focusing his attention on Jesus Christ. Well, does this mean then that we need to just ignore problems as though we don't have any problems? Not at all. We will go through problems in life. And we need to address these problems that we go through in life head on. But not by ourselves. Not by ourselves, but with the power of God's Holy Spirit, with the presence of Jesus Christ, and with the guidance of God, the Father, in our lives. Jesus has Peter go through this experience so that you and I can reflect on similar experiences in our lives. And this is an experience so that so that Jesus can prove his strength. Prove who he is. I am God. I got this. But he also does it to demonstrate our own weakness as we hear that from this account. The temptation that we have to look at anything else, depend on everything else except Jesus Christ himself. We have a tendency to think about our own resources and hoping that'll help us. We think of our own gifts and our own talents and our own character. Oh, I have a strong character. I can get through this experience. I know I can do this. I know I can do this. But that's meaningless unless it is bolstered up by God's Holy Spirit and an acknowledgement of God's Holy Spirit in our life. We need to look to God. That's what faith is all about. We need to look to Jesus Christ through the problems that we have, acknowledging them, dealing with them, not trying to brush them under the carpet, dealing with them head on, knowing that you're not alone when you deal with them head on. You have a support network in the congregation and the fellowship of believers and fellow Christians from this congregation or others, family, who are Christian who can support you. And you have Jesus Christ. Sometimes you say, well, the very least I can do is pray and ask God. No, that's the very most that you can do. That's the first step of responding to these circumstances in our lives. 
All we need to do is look around us and, and hear and see examples of those who have not looked first to Jesus Christ, but looked first to their own inclinations. Prominent evangelists, known and, and well-known Christians in our circles, respected leaders who fall flat on their face. Why? Because they have begun to take confidence in their own abilities, their own talents, their own situation, strengths, instead of focusing on Jesus Christ. This is something that we need to be reminded of. And so we read in verses 31 to 32 and 32 that Jesus reaches out his hand and caught, catches him and he says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Another nugget of a faith lesson here. That doubt is the opposite of faith. We have here a call to shed the doubt that's a part of our lives and to take on that faith. Listen to Psalm 43, verse 5, where we read, the psalmist reads, writes, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Why are you counting on yourself? Why are you shattered when you're going through these difficult times? Put your hope, says the psalmist, in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, and your God. And the crucial words of the faithful disciple of Jesus Christ are the words that, G that Peter expresses. Lord, save me. Not, I got this. Lord, save me. Looking outside of himself. It's a fervent cry. It's a purposeful cry. It's a necessary cry. And when Jesus saves him, then he rebukes him, doesn't he? Why do you show such little faith? Why did you take your eyes off of me, Peter? Disciple of Jesus Christ sitting here and, and on the, in, in, our, in our world out there. Why do you take your eyes off me and focus on everything else except for me? You will fail. If you do that. And then the final response that we have. In verse 33. Where we read in that final verse. And those that were in the boat worshipped him. And they said truly you are the son of God. Oh they knew it. They knew that he was the son of God. But this is a way of them exp explaining and reclaiming and reinforcing what they already know, confessing. Confessing, truly, you are the Son of God. You are Jesus Christ. All of my faith is in you. This week we will have opportunity to do some more reflecting on that as we prepare ourselves for the participation in the Lord's Supper. And as you go through that preparation every day of this week, every moment of this week, till we gather on Sunday morning, ask yourself this question. Are my eyes focused on Jesus 
Christ? Am I looking to my own self and all of my own things, that empire that I am building up around me? Am I depending on that? Or do I know that if I depend on that, I will fall flat in my face? Because when we, not if, but when we go through these challenges in our lives, we will need that source of strength that is found in Jesus Christ, whom we will celebrate next week in a very tangible way with the Lord's Supper as a reminder of his power over Satan, his power to guide us along in our lives. Let's be reminded of, in conclusion, the final words from the scriptures as we read this, Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him went through these challenges and struggles, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do indeed go through times of challenge and struggles in our lives. We pray that you would help us as we go through these times and help us to look to you for everything that we need as we go through these times in our lives. Help us to take our focus off of ourselves, off of the problems, but to look through these problems to the face of Jesus Christ, who sustains us and guides us, who is the source of our faith. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.